Well, we're privileged to have, uh, as Pastor mentioned in his message, um, that uh, we have Brother Ed Pearson with us uh, this morning, uh, filling in uh, the pulpit. Uh, first, we want to encourage you to be back tonight, and uh, the Lord's Day means the Lord's Day. We want to spend the entire day in the Lord's house, and so if you can, uh, be back tonight and uh, be in your place uh, at church at 5.30 for the evening service. Brother Pearson will be preaching as well. Brother Pearson, if those of you don't know, uh, is the Bible Department Chairman at the Heartland Baptist Bible College in uh, Oklahoma City, which is uh, a, a ministry of Southwest Baptist Church where Pastor Jason Gaddis is the pastor. And uh, Brother Ed uh, has uh, been investing and serving the Lord uh, in this capacity for the past 15 years, investing his life uh, sacrificially uh, for the, to the lives of young people and training them up uh, to uh, serve the Lord. And uh, Heartland uh, Baptist Bible College is one of our leading uh, Bible colleges. And uh, their heart and their goal is to train up young people to serve the Lord, uh, to send them out, and uh, to lead people to Christ, to start churches, to start serve in ministries, to become missionaries, and equipping them uh, for the Lord's work. And so we appreciate men like Brother Pearson. And uh, as I mentioned this morning in the Sunday school, pastors are uh, hardly away, but when he's away, I think Brother Pearson is one of his number one people that he trusts uh, to make sure uh, that uh, uh, he stays on the right path when he's uh, uh, filling in the pulpit for pastors. So we appreciate uh, Brother Pearson for his friendship to our pastor as well as to Heritage Baptist Church. So you pray for him. And uh, his pastor always says, give your heart to God, but give your ears to Brother Pearson as he comes and preaches the word of God. Right now. Well, what a blessing to be back with you great folks here. Thank the Lord for what God is doing in this place. We uh, had the opportunity to minister yesterday a little bit with some folks in the church. And, of course, what a beautiful facility God's given, given to you at the Berean Center there. What a blessing to see people actively involved in that this morning and the activities taking place and God's people sacrificing and giving and laboring to see the, the, the campus fulfill itself by having people involved in ministry. It's been a great blessing. Thank you for your prayer support for us. They're at Heartland Baptist Bible College. I do appreciate your pastor, treasurous friendship, and his wife. What a blessing it is to always be back here. Uh, you know, we, we thank the Lord for the school year he's given to us there. And as mentioned by Brother Denny, you know, uh, we, we know there's a lot of colleges. We're just praying that God would call laborers. That's my responsibility. And if God calls laborers, they're going to be trained perhaps somewhere outside the local church. And we assist local churches like yours in helping train and prepare young people for ministry. We start. We had a good semester. We have 411 students this year. It's up a little increase. Two from this church, amen? That's a great blessing. And we thank the Lord for what God is doing in their lives. And, of course, we appreciate the privilege to come back and see what God is doing here. Looking forward to hearing a good report about your friend day, seeing what God can do in my life and in your life as we serve the Lord together. And appreciate pastor's confidence and trust in allowing me to come and proclaim the word of God this morning to, his, to the flock that God's allowed him to pastor. So if you have your Bible this morning, let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter number 24. Joshua, chapter number 24, if you would, please. And if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God this morning? I'm going to be picking up in verse number 1 and reading through verse number 25. Ask if you would to follow along as I read aloud this morning from the book of Joshua, chapter number 24, verse 1. The Bible says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before the God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, 
even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. And I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt, according to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came into the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sinned and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat. Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God... He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said to the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said to Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore... Put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. What we see here is the summation 
of the life of the servant Joshua and his final appeal to the people of God about what their future holds for them if they're obedient unto the Lord. So for a few moments, I'd like to draw our attention, church, to this passage of Scripture and preach on this subject, an appeal to the people of God. An appeal to the people of God. I realize that we're talking about the nation of Israel this morning, but I'm going to try to make application to the New Testament church. Because we also are the people of God. We've not replaced Israel, but we are the people of God. And I want to make an appeal to the people of God this morning, gathered here at Heritage Baptist Church, and ask you the same question that Joshua asked those people. Will you serve the Lord? May God bless reading his word. I'll ask you to be seated. What a great blessing it is, again, to be at this wonderful church. I thank the Lord for the friendship of your pastor and I and his family and What a great joy it is to proclaim the Word of God. And I pastored for 20-some years, and I'll be honest with you, I miss pastoring. I understand ministry. I have a pastor's heart and desire to serve the Lord. But God's given us opportunity now to be involved with young people in the classroom. And they accuse me from time to time, Brother Luck, of preaching in the classroom. But I tell them it's not really preaching if there's no altar call and no offering. They're college students. You can see why I don't call for an offering. They got all their parents' money spent by that time. But the reality is, you know, we are a preacher of the Word of God, a proclaimer of the truth of God, and we want to talk today, not only this morning, uh, but also tonight, about another passage of Scripture in Joshua. But an appeal is coming here. Joshua has now made an appeal. The last chapter of this book, we found out that Joshua, of course, is the servant that took over after Moses himself goes off the scene. It is God that's chosen Joshua to be the new leader for the nation of Israel. And now he's lifted up in this place of leadership and he's desirous of following God and obeying God's voice and wanting to do what God tells him to do. And in doing that, we're going to find that his desire is to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. He wants to be faithful to the things of God. I want to be the same way in my life. I want my family to be led by God, to be directed by the word of God. I want God to help me to know the mind of the Lord and be obedient to the voice of God. Here we find Joshua getting ready to go off the scene. We know he's going to die later on in the chapter. It says he'll die at 110 years of age. We don't know the exact age, Brother A.J., that he was whenever he took over his leadership. But we know that Caleb was 85 whenever he said, I want that mountain. And so we find that they've probably been at least 20 years in the land, maybe a little longer, because we know that Joshua's going to be 110. He could have been 85 to 90 years of age. We don't know what he was when he went in to take over the leadership. But we know probably 20 years or so have gone by, five to seven years of fighting, but 13 or 14 years at least left in the land here. And they possessed the land, and they have found out that not all the enemies have been taken out of the land. And he's reminding them that even though I'm going to go, you need to remember, you may not have a leader with skin on, but your God ought to be Jehovah. Your God ought to be the Lord. He's reminding them about service to the Lord. So he gathers together the people in chapter 22. He gathers the two and a half tribes, their possessions on the east side of Jordan, and tells them, this is what's going to happen. I want you to know, follow God no matter what. And then in chapter number 23, he gathers all the leaders of the nation of Israel, all those that are respected in leadership, and he tells them to gather together. And he tells them in chapter number 3, not one thing that God said that he would do has he not completed. Everything God promised that he would do, he has completed that. Not one promise has failed of all that God said he would do. And then he says in chapter number 24, he gathered the elders and all the people together to give this appeal, this great appeal from Joshua to say, I want you to understand where God has brought us from 
and the promise that God has for us if we'll obey his voice. You see, obedience is vitally important in the work of the Lord. This morning, I'd like to draw our attention to this passage of Scripture and give you three thoughts. The first one this morning is this. There was an appeal for a reflective consideration by the servants of God. There was an appeal for a reflective consideration. They were told you need to remember what God has done for you. Look, if you would, please, in verse number 1. Joshua chapter number 24. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before whom? God. Not just before the servant of God, Joshua, but before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. In old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. So what he's doing, he's reflecting now upon the history of the nation of Israel. And by the way, if you've been in church any length of time, you know that God's chosen nation is Israel. Genesis chapter number 12 relates to us how God chose Abram, later changing his name to Abraham. He became the father of the great nation. And as he took him out of Ur of the Chaldees, he places him in the place of Canaan, made a promise to him that he would give it to him. And in doing that, it said the first place he stopped was Shechem. And he built an altar there at Shechem. And God told him then, all that you see, every place that your foot trods, it shall be yours. He made that promise. Later on, years later, we find that Abram had no children, but God changes his name from father of many to father of a multitude, but he has no children. Twenty-five years later, my friend, the promise became reality. The son was born, the seed of promise. His name was Isaac. And then Isaac had children later on. And we're going to find that Jacob and Esau came on the scene. And Jacob, of course, had great family and heritage. And God said, I gave Esau his inheritance, and I gave Jacob his inheritance. And part of that is the land you stand in today. The point I'm trying to make is this. God is saying Shechem was an important place. The same place of Shechem where Abraham started it all with God is the same place where Jacob, in chapter 35 of the book of Genesis... And I believe I preached a sermon on that probably five or six years ago here. On Jacob, when it said, he gathered the people together and he said, you're, go, you're supposed to go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. And it said he told them there at Shechem to take the idols that were in their family, to take those idols and they buried them under the oak tree at Shechem. When they made their way into the land of Canaan, can I remind us this morning, when they made their way to the land of Canaan, after winning at Jericho, of course, committing the... the the completion of the covenant at Gilgal when they went across the river. They, com- they confirmed the covenant with the circumcision, took out Jericho, lost at Ai, won again at Ai because they obeyed the voice of God this time. They won all the southern campaigns, all those activities of fighting, made their way to the north. Five kings come against them. They win that battle as well. And God is saying, hey, it's time to divide the land. You've worked long enough. Here's your possession. He said, I promised it, and now you can have it. So they divide the land up during that time. Well, in doing that, we're going to find that they went to Shechem right after their victory at Ai. They go 30 miles north to a place called Shechem in between two mountains, one called Mount Gerizim and one called Mount Ebal. And it was called the place of blessing and the place of cursing. So right there at Shechem, what they did, brother Justin, was the priest of God would go out with the Ark of the Covenant and they would sound the trumpets and they made a covenant with God and built a great memorial there that said, we will serve the Lord. We'll obey God's voice. 
It had happened as soon as they had gone into the land, within the first couple of months, right there, all the people gathered on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim in the valley of Shechem. God said, I made you a promise. I brought you into the land. Now serve me with all your heart, with all your being, in sincerity and in truth. And the priest cried out, and the people said, we will obey. And on that mountain, they had the blessings and the cursings reiterated. Once again, Joshua brings them to Shechem. They gathered there in this place called Shechem, and there was an appeal by the servant of God. Listen to me. There was an appeal for them to consider God's faithful presence among them. We're not going to take time to read it all, but you know what he says? I, I, I brought you out. I did this for you. I sought you. I brought you. We just read it a few moments ago. He said, I, I. What he's saying is, I am a personal God. My presence was with you everywhere you went. Now listen, friends. They made bad choices, but God was still present. They made choices that brought judgment, but God was still present. They did things wrong, but God still dwelt in the midst of them. His presence was there. The issue was not that God's presence was there. The issue was they had idols in their lives. Idolatry had plagued them. Idolatry had overwhelmed them. They had turned away. They emphasized in their own heart what they wanted, not what God wanted. God said, I gave you, I sent you, I brought you, I've done these things to remind them, may I say, to remind them of his presence continually in their lives. I jump ahead to my own life and I'm thinking, I'm glad God's there all the time. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. What a blessing in knowing that. Even if I wander from him, he's still available. But we see the people of God now understanding the presence of the Lord and what God is doing. And we see God speaking to them. But I want you to get a picture here. This is not just God talking about things. Notice something unique about this passage. Not just an appeal to consider God's faithful presence. It's, a, it's also an appeal to consider God's formidable power. Power. Now, I know it sounds simplistic, but I want you to see if you could. Look at verse number 2. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. That's talking about the Euphrates River, how they dealt, or the Chaldees, and came across. And it says he dealt even Tiber, the father of Abraham, the father of Nicor, and they served, what's it say there? Other gods. In other portions of Scripture, it tells us that Tira served pagan gods. Listen to me, friends. God took Abram out of idolatry and paganism and called him into his service. What happened to you? Oh, I realize that we see idols in the Bible. We're thinking about statues and groves and all kinds of things to bow down to. But our idols may not be that way today. Our idols may be fame and fortune. It may be something we put in front of God in our lives. It may be something similar to that, but we'll explain that in a moment. But these idols that they had, he said, God had the power to destroy the idols. You see the picture? He's destroying the idols. Verse number four. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and I led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. Is that powerful or not? The one, the one that thought he was not going to have any children... He said, the Almighty God says to you today that by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And sure enough, they had a child. The promise was given. The power of God was seen. The Almighty God did just like he said. Verse 4, I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I gave Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt. Did God plague them? If you've read the book of Exodus, you know about the plagues that God sent upon them. And it said that God not only plagued the nation of Israel, he also said he fought against their gods. That's what it says. He fought against their gods, their idols, whenever he plagued them. 
So it wasn't that their gods could beat God. Their gods couldn't beat God. God's formidable power was evident and seen. He had greater power than any pagan god in any country. He's showing that. Verse 6. I brought your fathers out of Egypt. You came into the sea. The Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen. When they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. Do you see the picture here, friend? I want you to see that God is present with them. And God's power is evident among them. Can you see it? God's power is real. He said, you have seen it with your own eyes. You have seen the hand of God's blessing. You've seen the power of God. You've seen how God destroyed the gods of Egypt. And God is there to be present with you and to help you. He's appealing to them. If God has been present and God's power is real, why would we follow idols? Why would we involve in other things? Verse 8, I brought you into the land of the Amorites which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. They fought with you. I gave it to your hand. That you might possess them. I destroyed them from before you. It was God that said, I've destroyed them. God said, I'm the one that took them out. You see his power? I mean, the passage is pretty plain here. The formidable power of God is seen. Verse number 12, it says, And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out before you, and the two kings of the Amorites, but not with sword nor, nor with bow. He said, it wasn't your bow that did it. It wasn't your sword that did it. I'm the power. I'm the one that took care of that for you. By the way, can I ask you, church, if you're going to heaven, is it because of you or because of him? He's the one that's done it. He's the one that's transformed our lives. But here we find Joshua saying, I'm getting ready to die. So there's an appeal here for them to think about the pagan gods that God's power wiped out everywhere he went. Look at verse 14, or verse 13. And I have given you the land which you did not labor, cities which you built not. You dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not. Do you eat? Now, therefore, now, therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. And notice this. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. He said, listen, there's no way to have the blessing of God unless you're desirous personally to serve God. There must be a personal desire and a passionate diligence. Say, God, I want to serve you in sincerity and in truth. Listen, he does not want a fraction of your life. He wants you. All of your life dedicated to Him. Not just Sunday morning, not just Sunday night, not just a church service time. Every hour, every day, He wants us to know He is present and His power is real and evident. He said, so if you know who I am, get rid of the gods that are among you. Get rid of your idols. Make a decision. The gods of the Amorites, the gods of the Canaanites, or God Jehovah, which one do you choose? That's what he's saying to them. So he appeals to them to reflectively consider what has happened in the past, what has taken place. But notice also, there's also an appeal for a resolved choice. A resolved choice. Not one you're forced upon, one that you choose yourself. I am resolved. No longer the linger, the songwriter says. I've made the choice. I'll do what I know is right to do. So he makes a resolved choice, an appeal to make a resolved choice. He says in verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord. That's where it all begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want wisdom? You want the mind of God? You want the will of God? Fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity. Not just in motion. Not just in activity. But in sincerity and in truth. And put away those gods which your father served. And there's verse 15, And if it seem evil, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, 
Now, how, how could that be? How could it be evil to serve the Lord? Here's the fact of the matter. He said, I want you to realize it's not serve the Lord and another idol. It's serve the Lord. Either you serve me or you don't. It's not half-heartedness. He said, I know your heart. Serve me in sincerity and in truth. You know what the world needs? God. You know where God lives? In us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're not to be showing them pagan gods, idol worship, all those things of idolatry. We should serve the Lord. He reminds them, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites who's letting you dwell. But Joshua says this, but as for me, started with dad, as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. There's an appeal. Here's what it is. An individual choice must be made to serve God. An individual choice. God has granted every person the power of choice. In this room, every person has the power of choice. Each of us will one day individually give an account of our lives unto God. Our choice to follow Him. Deuteronomy 24, 16 said, The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Paul said it like this in Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. So it's an individual choice. Choose ye, you, 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 choose ye this day whom ye will serve. So it's an individual choice, and it's an instant choice this day. Not some other day, not some other time. I'll think about it. I'll dwell upon it. It's an instant choice. You know, a lot of times, um, I like popcorn. And I like making it the old-fashioned way, on the fire. I like popping it out and all that. The grandkids like to come over, and we do that on a Friday night and get together and have popcorn and all that. But if I'm in a hurry, they've got a new way to make popcorn. Microwave. It's pretty. It's almost instant. Push a little button. Express. Sounds like hum. Then after a few seconds, then they're just the bags it, and then get it out quick before it starts smelling funny. Amen. Almost instant popcorn because you have it right there. You know we have people that think they want instant Christianity. Well, Pastor, I'm here. See if you can help me. You have to invest something. It's an individual choice. And it's an instant choice. I wish I could make decisions for people. But I can't. You have to make the choice. And you don't need to wait till next year or five years from now. He said, choose you this day. Listen, it is no mistake, my friend, you're here today. When the children of Israel were being presented this message of appeal by Joshua, they were all gathered there. God knew every individual that was there. And he says, I make an appeal to you. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. It's an instant choice saying, I will obey God. They say, if I avoid making a decision, I won't have to worry about it. I'll be safe. But you're also accountable. When it comes to spiritual matters, instant decisions are often required for tomorrow is really not promised. Take that choice we have. An instant decision. James 4.17, for him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Sin. James 4.17, go to now and say, today or tomorrow we will go into a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what should be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, I know we believe that, but sometimes we forget about that. So it's a 
resolved choice has to be made. It's got to be an individual choice, an instant choice, and an intended choice. So what do you mean by that? Choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, who do you intend to serve? The Lord. So when do you intend to serve somebody, right? The Lord. Hey, I've had some very gracious hosts since I've been here. Pastor's always been so kind. He and his wife sometimes when we're... And I, and usually, usually I'm here when pastor's gone. But sometimes in the music group, no offense. I'm glad, that, I'm glad I'm able to preach, amen. But, but time, we'll get together from time to time and go out to eat when we're here with the singing groups or whatever, you know. And, and what we have, but pastors arrange for people on staff and people in the church to fellowship with us. I mean, I, I was able to spend the six-month anniversary with Mark and Kim yesterday. What a blessing. They had breakfast together. And, of course, I was going to send pastor counseling already. No, no, no. <laughs> now, I didn't say they were, whether they were counseling me or I was counseling them, all right, you know. But we, and then the Lux last night going out for supper. I mean, just spending time in fellowship and gleaning and folks this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow. The preparation that goes with it. You see, he intends to take care of me. He intends to be a blessing. This church intends to be a blessing to people that come in. You that are visiting, they intend for you to like the church. They intend for you to be blessed. They want you to be here. They want you to know the God that saved them and changed their life. We are here for a purpose. There's an intent. He says, I intend to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Obviously, the opportunity has been given there. And he cries out, we will do these things. We must intend to choose who will be first. Will it be God or will it be idols? The choice must be made. You want God's blessings or you want God's disfavor? He said, I beat all those pagan gods. I beat the gods in, in Abraham's day. I, I destroyed all the gods of Egypt. I helped every situation. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Hivites, all their pagan gods. I destroyed every one of them. God's presence and God's power was evident, my friend. He said, choose you this day. Do you want the idols or do you want me? Let me ask you, church, today, you want God or you want yourself? You want the idols of this life? The pleasure of this life, the fame of man. You want the accolades of the crowd? You want money to be your God? You want your car to become your God? What you invest in can become obviously an idol to you. God ought to be the foremost in our lives. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He wants all men to be saved. That's God's will. He wants all men to be saved. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. There's things that God wants to do in everything, in spite of the bad times, in everything, give thanks. He's got plenty of things to manifest His will. Understanding God. You know, we, we think about to abstain from fornication, abstain from all these fleshly desires. He said, if you're walking in the Spirit, abstain from these things. It has to be an intended choice. It has to be an individual. Every day, I have to be like the Apostle Paul, I die daily. I'm not perfect, but I must choose every day to live for God. I must choose every day to read my Bible. I must choose every day to pray to God. Am I telling the truth? We all make our choices, don't we? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. I'm glad you're here this morning. And I hope that you're taking heed this morning. I'm not trying to be defensive. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be transparent in a world of chaos and turmoil. What the world needs are some believers that will truly say, I want to serve the Lord and I am serving the Lord to the best of my ability. 
So we have this desire to, to look about the choices here and to see what's taking place. And he said, you have to make a decision in sincerity and in truth. Give him your life. Dedicate yourself to him. Intend to follow God. Don't look for God's disfavor. Look for God's blessing. You have to make a choice. Will you align yourself with God or align yourself with your own selfish desires of this world or the idolatry and the paganism of our society? It has to be one or the other. Verse 15, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord... How could it seem evil to serve the Lord? You know, we can get very bitter in the ministry, can't we? We can get upset about things. You know, they never asked me to sing. They never asked me to teach class. They're always talking about this and talking about that. And they never pick on, they never help me. I mean, and we get jealous and envious of one another. Now, I'm not saying it's happened in this church, but I pastored 22 years and I know human nature. And I've got a lot of students in my class and I understand I have 167 students at 730 in the morning. And I have to remind them no food in class. No drinking in class. No phone in class. Stay awake in class. I do my best. I do my best to run around and try to keep them awake. But I am not God. I just work for Him. I can remind them of things, but they have to have an intended choice to be in class. An intended choice to bring their Bible. An intended choice to open up their mind and heart and start taking some notes. And some of the notes that I've seen, I've actually found some of my notebooks from my class in the Lost and Found. And I can tell if they've been paying, away, paying attention or not because I'll open the notebook up and I know where I'm at in the notes and I see squiggly lines. <laughs> so apparently they were doing well all of a sudden. <laughs> and then there's other things in the book too as well. They, you know, they, they doodle and different things. You know, I'm thinking, I must be pretty boring. But then I rationalize it is 7.30 in the morning. But that doesn't make it right because everybody, listen to me, everybody's got to make an intended choice. They make a choice to go to class. They make a choice to open their eyes and open their hearts. And you came to the house of God this morning. I know you came expecting pastor and you got surprised. I'm here. Some of you, some of you, some of you, many of you knew already. But the point I'm trying to make is I'm not him, but I'm still the messenger. And I have a message today. Joshua said we need to reflect upon and consider what the power of God can do. Reflect upon the presence of God and what it can do. You need to make a choice, a resolved choice to honor the Word of God. And then lastly today, there must be an appeal for a renewed commitment. A renewed commitment. If you're saved by the grace of God and you've done something wrong and you've sinned against God, then you need to have a renewed commitment. You say, but he's talking to the people of God. I know he is. He's talking to the people of God and he said, listen, you need to serve him in sincerity and in truth. Choose you this day whom ye will serve but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they said, we will serve God. We will serve God. We want to serve God. And he said, you can't. What do you mean we can't? You just said we should. You said we should serve God. And now you say we can't? What's wrong with you? He said, you can't serve God. Look, at with, look with me if you would. Verse 17. For the Lord God, he it is that brought us up out of the fathers of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way when we went. Among all the people through whom he, we passed. You know what they're saying? We agree with you, Joshua. God did all that. God did those things. God helped me. God delivered us. God destroyed those enemies. We agree with you. Verse 18. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And he said, as for me, we're going to serve the Lord. They said, us too. We're going to serve him too. We know he did all that stuff. We agree with you. He's a great God. He can do it. Yes, he can. He can do it. He's God. Then look what Joshua said in verse 9. And Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. <gasps> I thought you said we could. 
And we should. He said, you cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God. You see it? He's an holy God. He is a jealous God. This is godly jealousy for His people. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're not living your profession. You're saying you are God's people. You're saying that you love God and you're not living out the truth. You're not obedient to the voice of God. And so what you're doing is you have idols in your life. You have sin in your life and you have the outward observance of saying we are God's people. But there are idols and things in your life you need to get rid of in order to be holy unto the Lord. By the way, your pastor does that every Sunday. He tells you about things we need to do for God, amen? About living for Him, being a, living a holy life for God, being dedicated to God's service, trying to honor the Lord of glory. So Joshua here is saying, you can't serve it. What he's saying is that you cannot get away with your sin. What you're doing is wrong, and God cannot allow His blessings upon you because you're living in sinful behavior. You're following pagan gods. He's, and you say, how do you know that? Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods... But he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he had done you good. Who in their right mind, after seeing the blessings of God and answered prayer and supplying everything in the, in the wilderness wanderings, supplying every need for their life, then God doing evil against them because they've not lived their life according to God's plan. It's called the chastening hand of God. God's people not obeying God's voice will receive the chastening hand of God. He said, you cannot be blessed of God because your life doesn't match up what you're saying. You must get rid of the idols. Why would you want to say, God, I want your blessing, when God cannot bless you because you're living contrary to the word of God? You're not being directed by him. Verse 21, the people said to Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. No, no, Joshua, you you don't know us. We will serve the Lord. But God had already revealed to the preacher, verse 22, And Joshua said to the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves. You have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. So he reminds them, You've made a choice. you made an instant choice, an intended choice. We're going to serve the Lord. Yes, we're going to do it, Joshua. We're going to do it. And he says, You're a witness, right? You're telling you're going to do it, right? You're going to be a witness of all these things. He said, yes, we'll be a witness. We will serve the Lord. Verse 23. Now, therefore, put away, said he. Put away, said he, the strange gods, which are where? Among you. And incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. He said, if you want to serve the Lord, you've got to put away the strange gods. You've got to put away the idols. You've got to be different than what you are right now. You've got to be dedicated to God. You need to incline your heart to Him. You know, it's great to see uh, Brother Mark and Miss Kim yesterday. They uh, sat pretty close together. You know, and, and I think that's great. They even shared food. Didn't share with me. Now, they volunteered. They did volunteer. They did volunteer to share some of it. But, and, and I think some last night they tried to share some salmon with me or whatever, too. Uh, but the fact of the matter was, um, it's obvious when somebody is newlyweds. Amen? They're close together. They're, you know, they're, they're in love with each other. We that have been married many years, we should be in love with each other, too. We might show it a different way, but we still need to show an inclining. I love it when uh, my wife and I are sitting at home having a bowl of popcorn 
And she likes, uh, she likes things that are sweet in her popcorn, so she drops in M&M's. I like the popcorn. She likes M&M's, sweet and salty. She puts that in. So I started playing a game with her. And if she watches this, she'll probably be embarrassed that I said this. I played a game with her. I said, uh, every time you pull out a green M&M, I'm going to kiss you. I'm saying it publicly. I'm sorry. And so she pulled them out faster for some reason. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome, Mrs. Fong. She's pulling out faster. Green one. And I'm thinking, I'm not just going to go. I grabbed a hold of her. And a couple grandkids were at her house. And they're like, that is gross. <laughs> and they're looking like this. Looking around, you know. And my wife and I will sit there and we'll, we'll hug each other and get close. Been married almost 40 years. But I'm still glad she inclines her heart to me and inclines her life to me and we're in fellowship together. So you know what I did? When we have M&M's, it came Christmas time last year. They have the red and green M&M's. I stocked up. You know why? Because I want to incline my heart to her. Now, I know it sounds kind of childish and immature, but can I say to you something, my friend? God does not force you to serve Him and love Him. But he wants you to incline your heart to him. He wants you to spend time. He said, the only way you're going to have the blessings of God, there has to be an, an appeal for a renewed commitment. There has to be a forsaking of your strange gods. Repent of your sin. Turn to God. Understand you can't make it on your own. But with him, all things are possible. Today, if you're here and you don't know who Christ is, we can tell you today that God loves you just like you are. But he loves you so much, he's got a place in heaven preserved for you. But you have to come to Him. You have to repent of your sin and turn to Christ. Give your life to Him. You'll see His power. You'll understand His presence. You'll understand how great He is. And you'll be able to be like Joshua say, As for me, I want to serve the Lord as well. There was a forsaking. There was a forsaking and a yielding. They yielded themselves to God. Said, We will follow Him. We will yield to Him. And then He said, If that be so, there became a binding. That binding covenant came into existence. That binding covenant said to them, We will do it. said, You're witnesses of the covenant you've made with God. Not just a time of commitment, but continual commitment. Last verse. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance. Where? In Shechem. As a reminder, just like when you go to Shechem and see that particular area for the Jews, they understand where it all started with Abraham. And now Joshua ends up right there in the same place. So here's where it all began. Here's where it ends. Let's choose to serve the Lord. And that day, there was repenting. There was yielding. There was a binding made through the covenant. They were forsaking things. Can I tell you that after the death of Joshua, something wonderful happened? Look at verse 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. One man and his charge from God made a difference in a whole nation. You might be able to make a difference in your family, Dad. Young person, make a difference in your school. Children, make a difference in your home. Officers, make a difference in the church. People of God, make a difference in the world. We need to stand for God. There needs to be a yielding to God, a binding to His truth, a covenant made that says we will serve the Lord. And His voice, we will obey. Whatever God says, we will do it. Let me ask you, church, are you willing to do what God says? Well, God says you must be born again into the kingdom of heaven. 
We'd like to take a Bible today and show you how much God loves you and how you can get there. We can take a Bible and show you how you can make heaven your home today. And you that are saved, you want to obey His voice? Then you must yield and get rid of the strange gods, the pagan gods that are there. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's the pursuits of life. Maybe it's the things that you're dealing with with success. Maybe it's man's approval. Maybe it's for the pastor to approve of you. When really our approval should come from God. He's the one that's done it all for us. I find it amazing that Joshua did not choose to become the leader, but God made him one. And he said, I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what. And the people followed. Now, suffice to say that Judges chapter number 1 arises a generation that doesn't even know who God is, doesn't even know the works of God, because somebody dropped the baton. Somebody dropped the truth. May God help us to say today, today, I will serve Him in sincerity and truth. And if you've fallen short in some way, if you've not been soul winning, you've not been reading your Bible, you've not been given in the offering, you're not participating in the work of God, and you're just doing what you want to do and not what God wants you to do, then just ask God to help you to have the strength for the journey to do right. Repent of your sin. Get right with God. Serve Him. Get the blessings of God back. He said, He fought all those other idols. He can fight your idols too, friends. He can take care of any situation in your life. Turn to Him. Trust Him. His grace is sufficient. His power is evident. He has wonderful things in store for you if you just trust Him. So today, reflect upon the past. Make a choice today. And as you make that choice, realize I'm going to be committed to doing what I can do for God every day of my life. Every day I need Him, and so do you. I am resolved no longer to linger. We're going to sing in a moment here, I surrender all. Are you willing to do that? Not what I want, God. But what you want. Today, there's an appeal to the people of God. The appeal is the same that Joshua gave. Let us serve him in sincerity and truth. Why would you want the, the heartache when you can have the help from Almighty God? He can make a difference. So today, if there's something wrong, fix it. Something needs to change, get the help. You want to be stronger? Ask God for strength. You're facing issues? He can give you grace. Whatever you need, he has the power. He is able. Let's trust Him. Let's bow for prayer. Stand if you would please, heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, again, we thank You so much for the privilege of being here today. We thank You for the attention of the servants of God this morning in the service. Thank You, God, for those that have been visiting with us today for their attention as well. And we pray, God, that You would just help us all to be mindful of this message today, Lord, that if there's something in our life that's not appropriated properly, that, God, we'd take inventory. This appeal that's been given by Joshua is an appeal that should be preached everywhere across the world that people need the Lord, and we must serve in sincerity and in truth. And I pray, God, if there's one here that's not saved, God, that they've come forward this morning and we could take a Bible and show them from the Word of God how to be saved today as they repent of their sins and turn to Christ. And, Father, for your children that know what they ought to be doing, Lord, perhaps we're just apathetic or complacent or going through the motions. Lord, I hope there's nobody like that, but, God, you know their hearts, you know our lives. If you said it to the people of God and the nation of Israel, then certainly can be said about my life and about lives of other believers. Oh God, I pray that we'd, been sincere, we'd be sincere. We'd be honest to God, honest to ourselves. If there's something we need to change, something we need to do, God, I pray you'd help us to do it. Help folks to respond appropriately. Help us take reflection in of our own lives. See your power and presence and what you're able to do. And let's trust you, God, to do it in our lives as well. Pray, God, you'll bless the invitation time. Meet the need of every individual. Have your way in each life. Perhaps they're looking for a good church. Perhaps they're looking for a place to serve. Lord, whatever the need might be, I pray that your people might respond appropriately to your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we're standing, 
I'm going to have an invitation song. I surrender all, I believe. As he sings, if God's spoken to your heart, you need to pray about something, you need to change something, you need to dedicate something, whatever the need is, you take care of it. God's challenge for all of us is to choose who we will serve this day. And I hope that all of our answers will be choose the Lord. And if you're here today and uh, if you're not 100% sure you're on your way to heaven, you know, God gives us a choice whether we will choose heaven or hell. And uh, the difference between those two places is just very, very small. It's whether you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's not whether you belong to a church or whether you do good works or uh, whether your parents uh, was uh, raised you up in a religious setting. It's all a matter of whether you recognize that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus to save you from your sins and repent of your sins and place your faith, your 100% faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you want to know more about that, we'll encourage you to come and maybe even after the service, maybe uh, come to one of us, one of the, the leaders of the church or myself. I'll be standing by the door. I'll be happy to share with you from the Bible uh, verses uh, how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Father, thank you for uh, this morning and thank you for using Brother Pearson and uh, Lord, very uh, clear message this morning and uh, Lord, the decision that all of us as your people, as God's people need to make, uh, Lord, on a daily basis, in fact, because we're living in a society that uh, Lord's trying to grab our affections and and uh, to live for the world and to live for temporal things. And Father, as God's people, we need to be reminded that each day when we wake up, Lord, spend time with you and to choose you this day that we would serve you uh, lord not only uh, lord to for our own lives but to those of us who are in leadership positions those of us who are parents and grandparents so that lord we need to lead uh, our children our grandchildren to serving the lord and to uh, father help us to have that commitment each day and lord not to uh, to continue to be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the lord and uh, father we thank you for today and uh, commit this message to you and Lord, we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated.